0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Okay, so we were discussing last week different kinds of love. And one of the main kinds of love is love of one's children. And one of the dangers is that a person might love their child to the point where they don't rebuke them. And they don't tell them off. And the child turns into a spoiled brat. And that's what we see by David Abelach, King David. King David, it says, unfortunately... Never said good things or bad things to his son Abshalom. Abshalom was a son who was one of the rebellious sons, and his father never rebuked him, and it led to a disaster. It led to a major war, lots of thousands, thousands of people killed. So because he never rebuked his son, so a person who wants to be careful has to be careful. A person loves their child. On the other hand, they have to rebuke their child. So that's a very important point. The real love of one's children should be to guide their children. You love your children, how do you show your love of children? You have to guide the children. The so children need to be guided. And uh, a father should make known to his children that the Torah and the mitzvot, and this way they guide their children. Similarly, now, a love of money. Well, Everyone loves money. We all love money. Love of money should be in this manner. A person should love their own money which means they shouldn't be jealous of other people's money. I like my own money. I don't like your money because I earn my money. It's, it's honest labor, honest money. Hashem loves honest money. The Torah says through the work of your sweat, you will earn your money. It's good for you, it'll be peaceful for you, and it'll be good for you. So, rabbis say, what's the Dabba language? It'll be good for you and good for you. It's good for you and good for you. It'll be good for you in this world. And be good for you in the next world. So a person who earns their own money, and it's honest money, it's blessed. It's blessed. Hashem gives a person's blessing. And a person who loves his own money doesn't love other people's money. So that's the 10th mitzvah, the 10th commandment that Har Sinai was, do not be jealous. Don't covet. Don't be jealous of other people. So therefore, a person says, you know, I love my own money. I don't love other people's money. And therefore a person will never steal, never rob. Will never go and ask for charity. Why? Because then I'm asking for other people to give me money. I don't want your money. I want my own money. I want Hashem to bless my money. I want to be able to earn my own money. And then use that money to give sadaqah. Use one's money to give to others. To clothe the poor, to feed the poor, those who study the Torah. And also because of this money, a person can free themselves from many other strife. And will have time to learn Torah. What are we doing now? Well, the person you know, I we'll have money. Thank God I have money. I can sit down for an hour or two and learn Torah. So the person loves his money. He doesn't ask for other people's money. Very very high level. And the person has money now. I love my money now because it allows me to learn Torah. I have money. I can learn Torah. So therefore, that's a good use of money. However, the problem is the person says, you know, I've got so much money, nothing can affect me. You know, there's a famous story. It's a very beautiful story. It says, the Chavitz Chaim wrote this book, Chavitz Chayim, about about guarding one's wants tongue. Not to speak Lashon HaRabah people, not to speak bad about people. He writes over there, one day, he needed, the yeshiva needed money. And all the rich people lived in Moscow, the capital city of Russia, because they lived in, in that area of the world. And so he goes to Moscow, and he has a parlor meeting, all the rich people. And he says, listen, he says, you should give money to the yeshiva, otherwise you lose it. I shall make you lose your money. So after the meeting, everyone gave something. There was one very, very rich man, never give a penny. So he came to the rabbi later on. He says, Rabbi, he says, it's impossible for me to lose my money. It's impossible for me to lose my money. I'm so well diversified. I got money in land. I got money in uh, trains. I got money in cattle. I got money in wheat. I got money in the, across the river. I got money across the sea. I got money everywhere. Nobody can take my money away from me. So the rabbi says something very interesting. He says, "Maybe no one can take your money from you, but maybe God can take you away from your money." You know what that means? He's gonna die. <laughs> so a person says, "You know what? My money is secure. My money is with the U.S. Treasury. I have U.S. Treasury bonds." By the way, that's not very uh, that's not a very good investment today. But uh, the person says, "Hashem, Hashem laughs." Listen. You I can't take your money from you. I can take you away from your money. <laughs> of course. So, a person should love their money because it gives them security to be able to learn Torah, and be able to do for That's what our money is for, to look after our children, to raise our children properly. However, a person should not find security in their money and say, my money will protect me. Many very rich people lost their lives. There was a very famous story. It's a true story. Unfortunately, there was a, a Jewish man, very, very generous, Edmund Safra. Very, very generous. He owned a bank. Republic National Bank. He owned a bank in America. Very, very rich. And he sold his bank. I think it was $16 billion. $16 billion he sold. And he he has a house in Monaco. Monaco is where all the rich people live because there's no taxes. So he lived in Monaco. Beautiful mansion. He has a security guard, everything. Imagine, he just sold his... He sold his business 16 billion dollars. He was living the life of luxury. But he was very generous. He gave Yeshiva, he gave here, he gave built houses, hospitals. He gave everyone. Very very nice person. And, but nevertheless, here he is, very much man, in his own mansion. And all of a sudden, the mansion starts filling with smoke. He's in the bathroom, and he sees smoke coming. And he has over there a metal door in his bathroom. So, no one can break in the bathroom. Imagine. He's all the security devices, everything, all security, full security. He even has a security guard. And he pushed the button and the metal door closes. The metal door closes, but the smoke gets in. He died of smoke inhalation. He's the richest man. And in the end, they found the security guard set the fire. Imagine. He hired the security guard to protect him. And now, you know what? I'm protected, right? Uh uh-uh. uh out himself. So, a person never, that's why a person should never have faith in their money. A person should have faith in God, that's it. Never have faith in your money. Money can't save a person. Money can't save a person, yes. Did this happen now? Happened a few years ago. But it's a very big lesson that money can't save a person. A person has all the money, we need God's help. A person should never put their money, trust in their money. Don't trust in your money. And the simile says a person should love their wife. Why should a person love their wife? So number one is because you don't know how to love anyone else. <laughs> We're limited. A man is limited to one wife. So a person should love their wife. He should think about his wife. My wife saves me from many sins. And that's enough. That's merely enough. She saves me from many sins. She cooks for me. She cleans for me. She looks after me. What would I do without my wife? I don't know. So a person should love their wife. So it's a very good, healthy love. Healthy kind of love. And this way she looks after me, and this way I can learn Torah. I know I was a, I was a boy in Yeshiva and boy you have to do your own washing. Oh gosh. Yes. <laughs> you have to worry about especially on vacation. The yeshiva would give food and they would give everything. When you're on vacation, I was in Israel. I never had really relatives in Israel. I'm I'm fending for myself. said, so, God I can't wait to get married, at least someone will look after me. <laughs> so I go, thank God I got married. So a person should love his, love his wife. Why? She saves him from sin. She stops him being immoral. She helps him have children, which you can't do without a wife. She raises his children. She prepares the food, needs of the household. Because of her devotion, the man has time to learn Torah. Baruch Hashem, for women like that, who send their husbands to learn Torah. You know, the most famous woman was the wife of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was a shepherd. He was a shepherd, and she was a very, very rich woman. She was the wife of Kalba Sabuah, who was one of the richest, richest men in Israel. And he, he brings her all the greatest rabbis to marry. She says, No, I don't want them. So then she falls in love with the shepherd. She sees this Akiva. He's very smart. He looks after the sheep. He's very caring. He's very kind. She tells her father, That's who I want to marry. I want to marry the shepherd. Father says, You're mad. You're the richest woman in Israel. You want to marry? You can marry anyone. What do you want to marry a shepherd for? If you marry the shepherd, I'm going to cut you off. You're not going to get a penny from me. Wow, oh, it's amazing. So I don't care she left the house she married Akiva on condition he'll go and learn Torah she saw he was a genius this boy he didn't know anything he didn't even know aleph bet. but she saw the way he looked after the sheep he's brilliant this man is brilliant so she married him and he went to learn Torah it says 24 years later he comes back with 24,000 students can you imagine in 24 years he learned the whole Torah it's hard to imagine that's all it takes 24 years <laughs> you go study for 24 years but you got to have a good head you go study for 24 years you came as chief rabbi of Israel amazing amazing 24,000 students come following him and he told them he says whatever I have whatever you have is all from this woman because without my wife I wouldn't be where I was today so that's a good woman that's a good woman that sends a husband to go learn Torah it's very very important and she helps him serve God so what do we do without wife? So that's why that, that love is a good love the healthy love of a man for his wife and the love of a woman for a husband also. It's very, very it's a big mitzvah, a tremendous mitzvah. And love of one's father, love of one's mother. Because look how much we owe our parents. I mean, just changing a child's diaper. I mean, you can't even imagine what kind of pain that is. That's torture. Stink. <laughs> Stink shoo. <laughs> imagine. Plus, in the middle of the night. <laughs> that's torture. I mean, I mean, gosh. Imagine. You got to get up, and you're, mm, baby's crying. Ah, let's go change his diaper, give him milk. It's a lot. We have to really appreciate what our parents did for us. Unfortunately, we forget. We get older, we don't see babies ah, well, until a person has their own baby, and they say, "You mean my parents did this for me?" You know, sometimes unfortunately, it's tragic. People get old, and they also wear diapers. It's amazing today. People go from being children, growing, 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 growing. growing. And then coming down again and becoming children again. Imagine. See, the old people in old age homes are like children. They have a nurse. Come on, look after them. Change their diapers, give them food to eat. I, it's terrible. It's very terrible. The teeth fall out. It's the opposite, total opposite. So, her life is like a. What, which graph is that? arch. What's it called? A parabola. Right? Yeah, is that good? Yeah, parabola is good. Parabola is good. Okay, it's like probably you go up, 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 up. You reach midlife. And slowly go go down. Terrible. Come back to being children. Terrible. The child is getting his new teeth and the old man is losing his teeth. Terrible, terrible. Terrible. You know, one of the hardest things to see is see these rich people and then they go into an old age home and they have a house, massive house, lots of furniture, lots of this, lots of this. Old age home, only one room. One table, one chair, one bed. What did you take with you? two suitcases it's a preparation for the end that's it so a person amasses, 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 amasses can't take it with them you know the pharaohs, what do they do? what do the pharaohs do? Um, they They build their massive pyramids, tombs why? because they believed they could take everything with them so in the tomb they put their chariots they put even killed their servants they mummified their servants, they mummified their pets they think they're going to take them with them and you know who took them? the grave robbers Look at the idea. They thought they are going to take them to the next world with them. And the grave robbers came. And the biggest grave robbers were the French and the British. You go to the French museum, you go to the British museum. The British have a, have a room full of 50 pharaohs. Amazing. You go to the room. It's full of pharaohs. Imagine. There are more pharaohs there than there were in Egypt. <laughs> yeah. I thought they found them. They didn't find them. They stole them. They took them from Egypt. They conquered Egypt and they went to all the pyramids and took all the pharaohs and put them in the room in the museum. But wouldn't the police get they them? Oh, they police? They are the police, the other police. So they found peace of in mummification instead they of found they found peace, peace of? In being mummified. But instead they found them in the museums forever. I mean this is Who? The pharaohs. The, the pharaohs, pharaohs, pharaohs are pharaohs in, in, the, in Britain. The yeah. pharaohs are in England now. That's their next world. They were going they're going to the next world, <laughs> they're taking everything with them. They went their next world was England. <laughs> and France also stole them and so they, they, everything they saved people stole amazing, amazing amazing so we think we're going to leave it for this one leave it for that one a person needs merits that everything they plan will come true we need God's help we need God's help and that's why it says before you do anything when you say something say I'm doing it with the grace of God this is with the grace or the help of our the brother's got to love their parents. Why? Because look how much trouble their parents took. I mean, I can't imagine how many sleepless nights I caused my parents. It's terrible. Doesn't think about how much my parents worried about me and cared for me and loved me and this and that. It says one mother can look after ten children, but ten children cannot look after one mother. It's so sad. It's so sad. So uh, especially my parents to teach you to the Torah and do mitzvot. You owe them two worlds. You owe them this world and the next world because they're going to bring you the next world as well. And that's why the Torah says, honor your parents. father and your mother. Why did you put your father before your mother? Because, oh, you have to, you because normally say. a person honors their mother more. Yeah. So he said, put your father. When it comes to fear, it puts the mother first because normally a person fears their father and doesn't fear their mother. So today, no one fears anyone. Okay, they're so both equal today. Okay. <laughs> Um, okay, and how much more is the person going to love their brothers and sisters and their relatives? Why? Again, because they're friends. The, best, the most best friends you have, hopefully, are your relatives. your brothers. You help each other. You help each other. So that's good love. This is healthy love. Loving one's spouse, loving one's parents, loving one's children, loving one's brothers, sisters. That's very healthy love. And then he says, a person should love their friends. And that's what the Torah says. That's the next level. We hafta l'reacha Kamocha. love your friends as yourself. It's very, very high level. <coughs> and this is a very general rule. What does it mean? So Hillel used to say, don't do to others what you don't want others to do to you. It was a negative. If I love you, I'm not going to hurt your feelings because I wouldn't want you to hurt my feelings. If I love you, I'm not going to damage your property because I wouldn't want you to damage my property. So that's a lower level of loving one's friends as oneself, at least, at least up to that point. So a person should get along with other people. So a person who loves other people, they're going to help him. If I help you, you're most likely you'll help me. Most likely. So this way, when I'm doing well, I'll help other people, and then when I'm not doing so well, they'll help me. So it's like an insurance policy for the future. And also, when a person like Aaron HaKohen, Aaron was the person, the brother of Moshe, people loved Aaron more than they loved Moshe. Why? Because Moshe was the judge. People don't like judges. Judges do judgment. People don't like that. People like friendly people. Aaron was the most friendly person around. And says, we have a duty. The missioner, says, be like the students of Aaron. Ohef Shalom. He loved peace. Rodef Shalom. He would run after peace. da Dabriyot. He would love people. And he would draw them close to the Torah. If you love people, then you can draw people. But if you're nasty to people, they're not going to come closer. <laughs> if the rabbi is nasty, imagine who's going to, the shoe's going to be empty very quickly. So it's very important to be nice to people. And yeah, this way you can talk to them, they, they'll listen to you. So he's, he's really, this is beautiful, telling us what to do with love. Love is a wife, spouse, uh, children, marriage, uh, parents, uh, relatives, other people, help them, other people. Now, also, a person can help them with their finances. It means when a person is rich, he can lend to other people, need money, and, and give the gifts to the poor people. And he should be liberal and open-handed. It's very hard to be. And also, faith and honesty. A person should have faith and honesty and deal with other people with truth. Okay, now we come to who to be friends with. This is very important for young children especially who to mix with in school, who to mix with in community, who do you mix with the wise man said to his son this is a parable, if it should occur to you to make friends or companions make friends with wise people make friends with the kids in the class who don't fool around who are serious about learning make friends with people who are serious to learn, some people are serious to learn some people are not serious to learn, you see on Shabbat who comes to the class, who doesn't come to the class make friends with the ones who come to the class Make friends with the one who come to Shiri. Make friends with the one who are interested in learning. Don't make friends with someone who doesn't interest. It. This way, if you go with them, you'll be learning all the time. They're always learning, always learning, always learning. And that's what Shlomo Melach says in Proverbs chapter 9. Give knowledge to a wise man and you'll become even wiser. So if you become a friend to someone who's wise, you'll become wiser from him as well. You'll see what he's doing. You'll, you'll learn what he's doing. And that's the best peer pressure good peer pressure which is positive which is mixed with good people and you'll become good mixed with wise people and you will become wise and it's forbidden to become friends with an evil person Well, why? because you can learn from their deeds and that's why the first blessing in the morning when we wake up say the modi ani and we say a blessing over there keep me away from a bad neighbor and keep me away from a bad friend and keep me close to a good neighbor and a good friend. So it's very important who we mix with, that's who we are. And even for a mitzvah, a person shouldn't mix with other people who are evil. Don't join with them. You see Yaakov, you know, right? Uh, Esav comes to greet Yaakov. He really wants to kill him. But Yaakov gives him presents. And how many presents did he give? lots of presents, right? Until finally Esav says, oh, my dear brother. And he went to kiss him. And even over there, the Torah has dots over there. The rabbis say he wanted to bite him. What happened is, the miracle, Yaakov's neck turned into stone. You know that one? Yeah. And what happened? All Esau's teeth fell out. (gasps) Ah! (laughs) So he left Yaakov alone. Hard to imagine, right? And what happens? So it says, Esau says to Yaakov, he says, Come with me. I'll look after you on the way. Come with me. And Yaakov says, My children are young. I can't keep up with you. You go. I'll catch up with you. You know what? He never caught up with him. He never went to see Esav. Why? I don't live with Esav. Esav's dangerous. Esav's not a good brother. Esav is a bad influence. I'm not going to put my kids next to Esav. They're going to learn from Esav. So you know what? Keep our distance. And that's what we have to do. Keep distance from people who are abusive. Keep distance from people who are not pleasant. Keep who are people who are rude. And people who are not honest. Keep away from them. So the more we we occupy ourselves with Torah, the more we occupy ourselves with praise, praise of God, the better for us ok now we come to what about love of life you know a lot of people want to live long I and mean, people dream about living very long you know but today we're limited to how long we can live You know, the Midrash says since Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe Rabbeinu the cutoff is 120 there's very few people who reach the age of 120 today I think there's the oldest ladies in Japan somewhere 114 or whatever it is, 116. Or, but 120 seems to be like the cutoff. It seems like you can't reach more than 120. Since, it's the Midrash says, since Moshe Rabbeinu, you no know, one can be older than Moshe Rabbeinu. It's 120, apparently. Okay, around that, around that age. Yeah. Don't you need to be like a Sadiq to live to 120? So now there's a very good question, That's excellent question. So the answer is that there's two kinds of people. There's a Sadiq, the Ralo. There's a sadiq where nothing goes well for them. And there's a rasha and there's an evil person. Everything's going well. So he has money, he has friends, he has uh, power, and he lives a long life and he's healthy all his life, never had a sickness in his life. So there's different opinions. One opinion says it's because he did one thing which is good and Hashem is paying him off in this world so that he won't live in the next world. Imagine. A person has one mitzvah in this world, Hashem says, i got to pay him back. I'm not going to pay him back in the next world. I'll pay him back in this world. I'll give him everything good in this world. He'll, guy, he'll die. We, so everyone is watching him and say, wow, this man, he's a rasha, he's evil. But everything's going well for him. Yeah, but they don't, they don't see the next world. <laughs> and then there's a sadiq, there's a sick, and he's tired, and loses money, and he's poor, and he's this and that and the other. He'll say, hey, he's righteous. Why is he suffering? Right? And the answer is, Hashem says, he did one mitzvah, but I don't give him his reward in this world. I want to give his reward in the next, We so live forever, right? So this world, it's never long enough. Even Adam Harishon, how long did he live? 200. 930 years! 900! 900, I mean, hard to imagine. Nine. To imagine living for 930 years? But the Midrash says he should have lived for a thousand years. But God came to him and said, God, God says, there's going to be a little boy who's going to die in childbirth. His name is David. Are you willing to give him some of your years? You're going to live a thousand years. Give him some of your years. He says, "Okay, I'll give seventy years of my life." So Adam lives nine hundred thirty years, and he says, "Hashem, I changed my mind. I want my, I want my seventy years back." <laughs> so he says, "You know what? Adam lost it, and David lost it." So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, between the three, they gave him seventy years. Okay, King David lives seventy years. Not because of Adam. Adam wanted his 70 years back, but he didn't get it back. So he, he died in 930, but just shows it's never enough. A person lives, lives, lives. If you love life, it's never enough. Live long enough. Hashem says, This is not the world to live long. This is the world to do. If a person lives a thousand years, they're not going to do anything. You know why? I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I Okay, I'll do it tomorrow. Can you imagine? Your wife says, Can you go, go to the grocery and pick up some apples? It's okay, honey. I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> okay, what's another day? Okay, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, another okay, another hundred years, another hundred years, another hundred years, what's the problem? You see in the, in the Torah, when they did for a thousand years, they got married 200, right? 215, 230. Uh, Noah had a boy at the age of 500, he was 500 years old. What's the rush? Today, there's a rush. Today, life is short. Okay? Even then, it's 80. So the average age in America is about 80. It's coming down, by the way. It's not going up. It reached a peak and now it's coming down again. Because of suicides and drugs and all this garbage. So it's coming down, the average age. The average age in in Israel is higher for men. Eighty-four. And a married man lives longer than a man who's not married. Remember that. A married woman lives less. Don't tell anyone. (laughs) But she's busy with her husband. But The married man lives longer than an unmarried man. Interesting. Very interesting statistics. Very interesting. In Israel, with all the wars, people live longer. Amazing. Very Amazing. So it's a big miracle. So why should a person want to live long? So why love living? So look what he says. He says, a person should not love the days of his life for eating and for drinking and pleasures. The work of following the Torah and keeping the mitzvot is great. So a person is going to say, Hashem, if you give me more long life, I'll be able to learn more Torah. If you give me longer life, I'll be able to do more mitzvot. That's the reason to live long not to have parties and frivolous things and garbage plus you should live long in order to serve Hashem you know by the way when a person prays it's very important to give reasons because Hashem I want to live long says, why? I want it for your sake Hashem so I can serve you I want to learn your whole Torah I don't want to go, to go to heaven without half the Torah I want to learn the whole Talmud I don't want to learn half the Talmud I want to learn the whole Talmud so that's the reason so it's telling us you love life for what reason? A person is going to love life to do good. That's the whole thing. And that's uh, the best. So a person going to have the best motives. And similarly, a person will fear death, not because he fears death, because he's scared. He'll, he won't have time to finish all the mitzvot, to do all the Torah, to learn the whole Torah. So a person who does not have any fear of, life, of, of God, well, that's not called life. A person who has no fear of God should be disgusted with his life. And that's what Rivka said to Yitzhak. Imagine. What does Rivka say to Yitzhak? Amazing thing. Rivka says to Yitzhak. She says, make sure that Yaakov doesn't marry one of the girls of this, this, uh, this country. If he, work, if he marries one of these girls, he says, I, I'm weary of my life. I'm sick of my life. Because of the daughters of Chet. That Esau married these girls who were offering, idolatry, offering uh, sacrifice to idols. The smoke of their offerings come into my nose. I'm sick of them. It makes my life. I'm sick of my life. Why is she sick of my life? Because she sees her children doing evil. Send my son Yaakov away. So we see over here that what what makes a person sick of life is averot. A person who done the sins is sick of life. A person who does mitzvot. I want more life. I want more life. So it's amazing, amazing. That it's a very powerful language she uses. I'm sick of my life because of these girls who are. Bringing idolatry to the to idols, I bring sacrifice to idols. Okay. Now, what about honor? So, one of the things the says is keep away from honor. Honor is a bad quality. Ego is a bad quality. Humility is the key. However, she says most cases a person must run away from honor. Jealousy. Kinnat, Tavan and Kabbalah. Three things remove a person from this world. Perker of Chapter 4. What are the three things remove a person from the world? Jealousy. person is jealous. They don't have a good life. Why? I want to be like this one. I want to be like this one. I want to have what he has. I want to have drive his kind of car. I want to live in this kind of house. I want to live in the palace. I want to live... Imagine. There's a joke. It says, two Jews were passing by Buckingham Palace. Have you been to Buckingham Palace? That's where the Queen of England lives. It's a massive... It's massive, massive, massive. massive. Right? And one Jew says to the other, he says, I wouldn't mind having a house like this. And the other Jew says, I Can't afford all the Mrs. Zot. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine you're going to buy a Mrs. up every door. She's 400 rooms. That's 400. Mizot. I can't afford the Mrs. Forget about it. <laughs> So what's the use of having jealousy of something? I can't afford the jealousy. I can't even afford the Mrs. Zot. Forget about the heating bill. Can you imagine? Wow, the heating bill, 400 rooms. Can you imagine? Through the roof. Okay, but she's a queen. Everyone else pays for her. So, there are times, he says, there is a kind of honor which is good. And that is the honor of Hashem. A person does a mitzvah for the sake of Hashem. That's honor to Hashem. That kind of honor, fantastic kind of honor. That's the kind of honor a person should have. I want to give honor to Hashem. So a person does a mitzvah for the sake of Hashem you get an aliyah and you go and you say a bracha for the sake of Hashem that's honor you bring honor to Hashem you give a siraka for the sake of Hashem that's honor to Hashem now what about eating and drinking? so he says when a person does business or work at a job for pay he shouldn't think he does it for the sake of pleasures right? you know I have a guy here who became Baal Teshuvah he did Teshuvah he says before Friday night, he would go to the pub and sit with his friends. And now, he goes home and makes kiddush. <laughs> he said, my lo- wife likes it better like this. Never, she never saw me Friday night. Imagine. Guys hang out with their friends in the pub, drinking, drinking, drinking all night, and come back in the morning, go to bed. He says, now I come home, I make kiddush. What a difference in lifestyle. Yeah? One is sanctifying God, and the other one is drinking. You now there's a joke, there's a beautiful joke. It says, uh, it was a little Jewish guy, and his life was not going well. Everything bad happened to him. He lost his job. He goes into the pub, and he has this little drink over there, and five big motorbikers, what they call rednecks, they come into the pub, say, ah, Jew, Jew, and they take his drink, and they push it away. And, they, and then one other guy comes and takes a drink from he from his cup. And the other guy comes and drinks from his cup. And the, the Jew says you know, this is the worst day of my life. And they're listening. So, you know, I lost my job. I lost this. I lost my money. I lost this. I came to the pub to drink my last drink and I put poison in and I was going to drink and then you guys came and drank my drink. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's a joke. Okay. But (laughs) persons should work not to enjoy. Persons should work to support themselves. I want to live. In order to serve Hashem. So the money is going to buy me food. I'm eating. You know, it's amazing. When a person eats to do mitzvot, that food becomes like a korban. What's a korban? A sacrifice. An offering. When you eat because I want to serve Hashem, make me strong serve Hashem, that food is a korban. It's a very, very high level. Very, extremely high level. And that's how you transform your food, your material things into something spiritual, you take the food and make it something spiritual, by thinking just by thinking, I'm eating this food in order to be strong so I can serve Hashem, amazing amazing. when a person sleeps, before you sleep you think I'm sleeping in order that I should wake up to be able to serve Hashem tremendous, you make that sleep into a mitzvah so a person going to eat in order to be healthy in order to serve Hashem and uh, to grow in Torah and similarly, a person should not say, "I'm going to fast," because fasting can remove the strength. He won't have strength to learn Torah. He won't have strength to do mitzvot. So obviously, a person is going to have a balance in eating and drinking. This way, he's strong, but not overweight and not unhealthy. It's going to be healthy. We've got to be healthy. Why do we have to be healthy so that we can? much. So, beautiful. <coughs> so everything a person does should be what's called the shame shamayim. So this way, a person is serving God 24 hours a day. He's, he has a beautiful story. It says, the, the boy goes to the rabbi. He says, Rabbi, he says, I don't understand. I eat an apple, and you eat an apple. You make a bracha, and I make a bracha. What's interesting, you and me? We both do the same thing. So the rabbi says, listen. He says, you make the bracha to eat the apple. I make, I eat the apple to make the bracha. Imagine, two different things. completely." but says, you know what? You go sometimes, they have meals for in, in memory of someone, right? So there, a person who knows will say, I'm going to make a bracha on this food for the sake of the soul of so-and-so. I'm not eating it because I'm going to eat it because I want to eat it. I'm eating it because only for the sake of the mitzvah, that's it. Same thing on Shabbat, right? The hardest meal, what's the hardest meal on Shabbat? <laughs> well, he knows. <laughs> the third meal is the hardest meal. You see a lot of people just sitting there not eating. They don't realize the third meal is the purest meal for the sake of heaven. Why? I'm not full. That's why I'm eating. I'm eating purely for the sake of heaven. This is amazing. The harder it is, the purer the motives, And that's why it's the highest level. It's the highest level to eat. So even harder than that is the Sudha Ravid. It's very hard. The fourth meal is even harder. But that's not required. That's an extra. The fourth meal is an extra. It's good to do the fourth meal with bread, but it's not required. But it's, you can do mesonite, you have it a piece of cookie, cake, whatever it is. But it says that meal, the fourth meal, sustains the bone in the back of one's head, the loose bone, which is when a person is re- resurrected from the the bed, the dead, that's the main bone. So a person, what do they eat on Mozzar Shabbat? I mean, can imagine eating the third meal. Everyone's, You see, people can't eat anymore you eat it not because I want to eat it to stuff myself because I'm stuffed already I'm eating for the sake of God and that's a very high level so he says look at this a person should leave all the loves in the world and cling to love of God that is the goal the goal is to get to the point where a person loves Hashem and it's a very high level we say every morning in the Shema twice a day we have to and Hashem, and Hashem, one of the mitzvahs to love God how do you love God? How can a person love God? And the, person, the answer is: you got to practice. You practice first on your children. You practice first on your wife. You practice first on other people, and then you can start thinking about loving God. If your person doesn't know how to love other people, how can you love God? Okay. Now there's two things over here. One is fear, and one is love. And the Torah says both. <speaking in Hebrew> Fear God. Right? Serve Him, and cling to Him. says in It's amazing Pasuk. Fear Him, serve Him, and cling to Him. How do you serve God? And the answer is, okay, you do the mitzvot. Very simple. But how do you fear God? And the answer, there's two kinds of fear. There's fear of punishment. We're all scared of punishment. Everyone. And it's good to be scared of punishment. Why? Keeps you in check. Right? Like, for example, let's take a simple fear of the police. If there's no fear of the police, there's a breakdown of society. And you see it some places. Some places are not scared of police because what can they do to you? They'll put you in jail. In New York City, no one goes to jail. You get out on bail and there's no, no money, no nothing. I don't have they you know, that's why you see all the statistics. Anti Semitism is getting worse. Why? Because they put it, they, they're in and out. They're not in, they're not in jail. They don't spend a night in jail. Imagine, it's hard to imagine. So maybe three times they go in and then they can stay in jail crazy so there's no fear if there's no fear society falls apart there has to be fear so fear of punishment is a very it's a good level i wasn't scared you know hashem might do something to me if i do this bad bad thing maybe hashem will do this that is fear of punishment but there's a high level of fear which is god is watching me there's a policeman right behind me with his lights flashing oh god you ever had that feeling there's a car, the police car right behind you, lights flashing, and then he says, "Move out the way!" <laughs> thank God, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> or he goes, t- he turns, he makes a thing. Or you slow down on the side? He goes past you. The best feeling, thank God, you know. But when a policeman's behind you, well, he's watching. But it's got to be like that all the time. Hashem is watching me. Hashem is watching me. Hashem is watching me. Hashem is watching me. That is called fear of God. Fear of God is Hashem is watching me right now. Uh oh. So the biggest mistake a person can make is to think that Hashem is not watching. And that's a mistake we all make. And that's what the Gemara says. A person never sins unless he becomes foolish. What is the foolish bit? What is the foolish bit? He forgets Hashem is watching him. That's foolish. Foolish is, I don't believe Hashem is watching me right now. Eh, Maybe Hashem took a break. You think Hashem takes a break? Hashem doesn't need to take a break. 24-7, he's watching. He's watching and he's seeing how people behave. Imagine, and also what they're thinking in their heads. He knows everything. It's fun being Hashem. I think it's fun being Hashem. You think it's fun being Hashem? But it's also painful. You know why it's painful? Because I create you, and you rebel against me. It's terrible. I create you, a human being, and you know what you're doing? You're rebelling against me. But I created you. It's like a child rebelling against his parents. It's terrible. So, on the one hand, it's fun being Hashem. On the other hand, you see how people treat you. I'm Hashem. I created that person. What can I do? But it's a beautiful story. Everyone has hope. We have hope. Hashem is very giving. I'll tell you the story. Beautiful story. It says, Abraham Avinu, you would always give people things to eat. Come into my tent. And you're hungry? Come eat. Please wash your hands, wash your feet. Go, come inside. Have some food to eat. And then when they finished eating, you would say, Now say, Thank God for the food. So usually they were so grateful. It's okay. So he explained to them, tell them about God. There's one God who created the whole world. He was a missionary, right? You know what a missionary is? You try and persuade people that there's one God, right? And one day there's an old man who came in, and our brother says, "Yeah, please food." So he ate the food, ate the food. Our brother says, "Now bless God." So who's God? He said God is the one who created us. I don't believe in God. So I'm going to bless you, because you gave me the food. I'm not going to bless God. I don't know God is. God is. You can't see God. You can't touch God. There's no God. I don't believe in God. Abraham says, get out of here. And Hashem comes to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I supported that man for 80 years. You can't support him for one day? <laughs> in other words, Hashem has the most... Patience. Patience. Beautiful Patience. Hashem, well, you know, we, we're flesh and blood. We don't have as much patience. Hashem has patience. So Hashem says, you know, you treat me badly, I have patience. One day maybe you'll come back to me. Maybe one day you'll come back to me. And if you don't come back to me, you're the big loser. Hashem doesn't lose anything. You know, Hashem, is not, Hashem never loses. Hashem always gains. Hashem never loses. Hashem is above everything. But it's our loss. If we don't use this world in the best possible way, it's our loss. Because we have limited time. And God put us here for a certain amount of time and said, now achieve. If we don't achieve Torah, mitzvot, we're losing. It's our loss. Okay, I'll end, up, I'll end up with the story. This story is one of the parables of the Chavitz Chaim. Chavitz Chaim was a great rabbi. He wrote a book of parables. And the parable is, the king has a daughter. And the daughter is very sick. Right? And the king says, whoever can heal my daughter, I'm going to give him a day in my, in my treasury. Can take as many jewels, as much gold as we want. He could get the treasury. So all the doctors come. No one can heal the daughter. No one can heal the daughter. Until one guy comes at the end. Say, Try this medicine. He gives her daughter, daughter, she, got, she gets better. She's doing well now. It's okay. You get one day in my treasury. Come at six AM and you leave six PM. So the guy comes, six AM. Got bags and bags, empty bags. He comes, comes in the treasury but the king's not full, he's very smart the king makes a big party outside the treasury and there's noise, there's music and there's dancing and singing and this and that the guy hears the music, he says well, what's going on, let me see what's going on there's a party over here goes outside, I see the party, party wow it's a beautiful party, there's lots of things going on let me go and see what's going on I got plenty of time, I got the whole day looks at his watch. 6.15 well, I'll go to the party, I'll go spend a few hours and I'll come back he's having such a good time in the party he's drinking and drinking, he gets drunk it forgets huh? it's it's 5 45 p.m. I better go run it runs back in there, fills up a few bags and comes out. Everyone's laughing at him. <laughs> we fooled you. And that's this this world. This world is distractions. This is the world of distractions. What are distractions? Distractions is. There's a party going on. Everyone's having a good time, but they forget. This movie theater on Sunday is Packed and this movie 30 is packed and they're living in their imagination, but they forget about the real world. They forget about what we're doing in this world. We're here in this world to do Torah and its We get so involved with other things, it's a total distraction. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen, Amen. Please put off the. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com.